Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The 2021 NFL Draft is in the books, but there is still plenty to wager on over at betonline.ag. You've got the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, and oh, by the way, you can still bet on plenty of football-related items, rookie futures, NFL futures, who's going to win the Super Bowl, how many yards are some of these top rookies going to throw for, run for, receive. It's all available to you at betonline.ag. Check it out today. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast. Podcast With your hosts, Paige DeMakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner, Jake Arians here with you, kicking off another week. Uh, Jamie has referred to himself today on the pod as the Julio hater. Not me. This is what people think I am. But he has so I'm, I'm going to steer into the curve here. But he has abbreviated it H8R. He has not actually spelled out the word. He's just gone with the abbreviated version here on the show. And I know we promised full uh, projection show. We are still doing the top 15 quarterbacks here on the show, but a, a pretty big trade happened with Julio Jones. Figured we should start the show with that. And we are going to get more into this when we do the wide receiver rankings, because obviously Julio Jones's name is going to come up. We're also going to talk about A.J. Brown. Uh, but Jake, I'll, I'll start here with you. We finally have the trade. It is done. Julio Jones uh, to the Tennessee Titans. Now, don't really necessarily need to talk about the compensation. There's a two and a four and a six going just all sorts of different directions. But this fit, Julio Jones on the Tennessee Titans, kind of the team that a lot of people threw out from the get-go. It made a ton of sense because of their need at wide receiver, considering what they lost in the offseason. But now we know it's going to be Julio Jones and A.J. Brown going out wide for Ryan Tannehill next season. I don't even want to talk about the compensation because they was rumored that they absolutely wanted a one and that they had been offered a one already, and they obviously hadn't. But this is what they got for Julio Jones, an old Julio Jones, an expensive Julio Jones at this point. I am proud of the Tennessee Titans franchise because they're going to have to give up cash here to Atlanta for part of this, right? I mean, they're going to have to eat some of the dead money Atlanta was going to have to eat. But as far as a fit goes, a healthy Julio Jones is still one of the top receivers in the history of the NFL. Yards per game is significantly higher than anybody else that's ever played. I think that's going to come down. Um, I know Jamie's rankings didn't, didn't do a whole lot for Julio. I agree wholeheartedly. I think it hurts Todd, uh, not Todd Gurley. That would be bad. It's definitely hurting Todd Gurley because he don't have a job. <laughs> Derrick Henry is, I think his, I think it hurts his projections a little bit. I think they're going to have to throw it a little bit more. We have a new offensive coordinator. It's going to hurt AJ Brown. Uh, I don't know, man. Are we getting a healthy Julio, Jamie? I guess that's my biggest question is like, okay, Yes, maybe it makes Tennessee a game better. Maybe I like them to be able to like challenge the Colts for the division win. But are we getting a? I, mean, I haven't seen a healthy Julio in a long time. No, and I'm not going to project a full season from him. And the kind of the deal with Julio is, and and it's not a breaking news here, but when he's fully healthy or even close to 100, percent he's still elite, and he proved that even at times last year. The issue with him is going to be it's not just when he's hurt, but when he's trying to fight through soft tissue injuries because he will try to gut it out and you'll get a basically a decoy. And that was a point that you know Jake and I talked about a lot during the season last year because I had Julio in our TD and Fantasy Premium League, and it was a tough kind of go each week of going, you know, man, you know, I know he's he's questionable all week. He's kind of going to be active, but is this going to be like a three-target game? for Julio Jones because he's really not healthy and we still don't have the full information when he's out there when he's healthy he's going to be a high impact player for them 
they had a desperate need at wide receiver too. And the reality is, is I know a lot of Titans fans have talked about this quote unquote retool defense. Uh, I still think it's bad. Uh, I'm not excited about it at all. So, but where the Titans are currently are in their life cycle and where they are structured, they're having to kind of try to compete in the AFC right now. If you can't stop anybody, I guess you can at least try to outscore everybody and at least give yourself a chance in a weak division to at least, you know, get into the playoffs and maybe you get hot. You never know. So you just got to get in and it's a very winnable division. You might get up, you know, you could get an easy home game right away. So I like the move for them. They didn't give up a lot in draft compensation because they're going to give up a lot in cash. They're basically they're going to pay the full freight of this Julio Jones deal that they're accounted for. I know some of it still has to go to Atlanta based on contract structure, but they're going to pay the full freight here. I like the opportunity, but as I kind of said to Chris, I, I joked in the Slack channel, I'm going to wait about 48 hours and then hammer the Titans team total under when everybody overreacts to this move. The Titans are a little bit better today than they were last week when last time we recorded a podcast, but I don't think they're appreciably better. And then that's not to do anything with Julio Jones's talent. It just is doesn't address the other issues this team has. From a fantasy standpoint, I'm not a big Julio Jones fan this year. And I, I here's a spoiler already because I put this out on social media already. He came in at my wide receiver 30. And, and I know that might shock a lot of people given the talent. And I'm not projecting his talent to drop off. But I, I think there's a point that we talk about the theoretical and then we talk about the actual hard numbers. The Titans, even with a throwing boost, and I gave them a little bit of boost by adding Julio Jones. I gave him another bigger boost this offseason, the fact that I don't think their defense is going to be very good and I expect them to throw more. Even with these additional incremental percentage boosts, I'm projecting this Titans team to throw about 10 times less per game than what the last three years worth of the Falcons teams averaged. That's pretty significant because you're looking at a Julio Jones who was between 22 and 25% target share in Atlanta. Now you start to talk about two to three, you know, four targets per game less. That's one and a half, two catches per game less over, over whatever amount I haven't projected for 14 games. That really starts to add up. And I think that factor is not being considered. He's going from a team that has thrown an average of more than 40 times per game over the last three years to a team that's probably going to be closer to 30. And they haven't even hit 30 these last few years, but I think they're going to get to 30 this year. That volume is going to have a major fantasy impact, even if Julio Jones is the same talent level that he's been in at least the last couple of seasons. Man, the one thing you said to me right there, Jamie, at number two, Julio is the number two. Got a big, expensive price for a number two when you got a lot of other needs. Like you look at ownership and some of the stuff some of these teams do for a big name and selling a lot of jerseys and bringing excitement that doesn't necessarily bring a lot of wins. You got to give them credit there because Julio is going to bring a lot of excitement to a small market and a team that needs a boost. I just don't know how much it helps this team. I think it helps Ryan Tannehill a ton. We're talking about fantasy yes. stuff, which we'll get into in a minute. But man, it's. I'm, I'm I'm impressed with them making the move and paying that kind of cash. But man, when you break this down, and he is the number two to AJ Brown, he's not the number one guy there. That is a giant price for a number two receiver. Yeah, and one last point, Chris, before we move on, I still have Julio projected to be somewhere around a 21% target share. But you have to remember a 21% target share in 14 games of 30 throws per game. It's a lot different than that same target share on 40 throws per game. And I, I know I, I still want to bring that point home. Because it matters. And this volume matters in fantasy. We're, we're not playing a game of hypothetical skill. We're playing a game of volume and production. And the process here tells me 
This is a team that's going to throw a lot less. And I was already knocking Jones down if he were to stay in Atlanta based on the fact they think they're going to throw a little bit less there than they have in recent years. This is another step down for him in terms of volume. Still love the player when he's healthy, but in terms of volume, this is another one of those guys that's probably going to be on my never. I'm going to have no shares of him because nobody's going to draft him here. I see people have him routinely, sometimes in the top 15 still. I have him nowhere close to that. I'm just saying beware of the volume here. And also be aware that they might ask Julio Jones to do some things he hasn't done before because A.J. Brown is already there in the sense and, and they're not all going to run the same exact routes all the time. So again, I, I would for fantasy purposes, I, I'm not thrilled with this. And, and I know this was a name that a lot of people think, oh, well, there's opportunity here. There is. They just don't throw the ball enough to have him get that opportunity. You know, again, you're going from a team that's throwing 600, 630, 650, 660 times a season to a team that's probably going to be in the low 500s, that's going to affect volume. And that's been the biggest thing that's affected A.J. Brown for a long while, and while he's not been a top five wide receiver before, is he's getting a huge target share, but of one of the fewest shares in the NFL. Jamie, you on board with this hurting Derrick Henry? A little bit, but I already, like, I already bumped him down a little bit when I did my projections before based on what I think this defense is going to be. Yeah. You mean he's still a top five running back. Like, I, don't, I don't think you can drop him outside of there, but... Uh, to me, there's a reason why he's clearly in that. Like, I know they're technically all in the same tier for me, but he's clearly behind the McCaffreys and Dalvin Cooks of the world uh, in that top spot, and why he's kind of in the middle here. He he ends up being my RB four, but you know, I, I, his upside's capped anyway. Just the type of player that he is in PPR yeah. formats, like his upside's capped because he's never going to be on the field significantly on passing downs and third downs. And we saw Jeremy McNich- Jeremy McNichols get significant work at times last year. Maybe that's going to be Darrington Evans this year. So, quarterbacks, we have 15 of them to discuss, one of which is a name that we've kind of already discussed here on the show. His ranking has changed already from uh, where it was when we were having this conversation last week. And where we left off, guys, we were in Tier 4 of the quarterbacks, and we finished with number 16, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and I teased it by saying we will see how many other quarterbacks remain in Tier 4. There's one. It's the guy at number 15 on the list. It's Matt Stafford. So I just want to close that chapter of tier four. Jamie, this surprises me that he is this low. There are some guys directly in front of him uh, that I think I I like him a little bit more than like Trevor Lawrence and Matt Ryan in particular is I think I feel more comfortable with Stafford than those guys. But I really think you're splitting hairs when I'm comparing 15 with the guys you have directly in front of him at 14 and 13. So the, the biggest things that hurt Stafford are really not necessarily indicative of his talent. It's just indicative of what he is as a quarterback. And one of it is not a lot of rushing upside. So you look at the players, a couple of guys in front of him that we'll get into, you know, like the Jalen Hurts, even the Joe Burrows, Trevor Lawrence's of the world, you know, and adding those handful, you know, those two or three extra rushing touchdowns, you know, adding another 100, 150 extra rushing yards adds up over the course of a season to kind of give you that small, like one point per game boost. The other factor, too, and there's one that I'm curious to see if it changes now that he's in L.A., he's kind of had a very low touchdown rate for a quarterback of his caliber. And I think the biggest thing that could actually get him into this category of we see quarterbacks every once in a while, every year, there's somebody that has a touchdown rate spike that spikes up into that 8 or 9% range, and then they really set the fantasy world on fire. You know, he's been hanging around that like just under 5% mark over the last three years there. 
I want to see if he becomes if you know if that number changes for him a little bit because at his three-year touchdown rate, given where I have him projected based on the way Sean McVay's thrown over the last three years, you know, he's looking at about 30, 31 passing touchdowns, you know, which feels low, but that's kind of what his rate has been. Does he have a spike in that category? So I think that's the biggest reason why he's kind of down here. If you if you hit, you know, he gets a little bit of a touchdown percentage spike. You know, he can easily be a top 12 player. And by the way, there are going to be a lot of weeks where he's ranked inside the top 12. Uh, but, you know, because pretty much once you get into this like 15, 16 range or above, you're dealing with quarterbacks that on any given week are going to be QB1s. Matt, this, to me, this is the best value on the board, period. I'm, I'm going to take in Matt Stafford with Sean McVay and those weapons at 15 significantly earlier and more consistently than I'm taking Trevor Lawrence with that offense. I mean, we're talked about we love the Daryl Bevel and Brian Schottenheimer. I don't love it as much as what I got Sean McVay as a veteran Matt Stafford with a rookie and Trevor Lawrence, even though he's going to run and probably get you some points here and there. I don't think the spikes are going to be as low. I think the floor is extremely high week to week with Stafford way more than it's ever been, even with the touchdown stuff you're talking about, which is weird with the weapons he's had, Jamie, that that touchdown percentage was where it was. Yeah. And that's the one thing I know that you're struggling with to say, okay, is there, are we going to get a spike? Cause the weapons may have been better in Detroit, even as good as they are in LA. I don't know that he's going to get there either. We're both huge on Cam Akers having a big year, but I think this might be the best value on the board. When we go back to last year, we were talking quarterbacks and wait, 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 wait. This has tremendous upside, but also has a giant floor. When you're talking about, I think really low risk when you're going to probably get a guy in the ninth or 10th, maybe 11th round, maybe oh, yeah. later than that in some draft, like 12th. There are two guys. There are probably two to three guys above, maybe four, maybe the four guys in total, one, two, three, four, maybe the five guys in total above him have lower floors on a weekly basis. If you kind of look at those five guys, I know we're going to kind of give it away here, but you know, 14 for me is Lawrence, 13, Matt Ryan, 12, Joe Burrow, 11, Jalen Hurts. I think you look at those guys and you go, the potential floor for those players are all lower than Matthew Stafford. I think the ceiling is all a little is again slightly higher. You're starting to split hairs here. The difference between you know Stafford at 15 and Joe Burrow at 12 is like a point per game, which matters. Yeah. Uh, that's not insignificant, but you know we're not talking about massive, massive differences here. But yeah, he's somebody that I I would be. He's in this category of I think I'm perfectly comfortable if you walked into the season with Matthew Stafford as your starting quarterback. I wouldn't be like jumping for joy, over excited. But if I loaded up elsewhere and I looked at back, you know back toward the middle rounds of the draft and then, you know, I walk into the league, you know, with Matthew Stafford and Ryan Fitzpatrick as my two quarterbacks, I wouldn't cut, consider that a weakness. No, absolutely not. I mean, did you affect Matt Ryan at all since we're moving uh, up a couple spots well, here with I, being gone? I already, when I, when I did his projections, I assumed. So all the Falcons already were, cons- I, I knew Julio would be gone. I just didn't know where. So I already figured all the Falcons in there. Uh, he drops down here a little bit as well because he's going to get a volume drop, I think, with Arthur Smith being there and the way they're going to operate that offense. I think he's going to get a little bit of an efficiency boost, but a volume drop. And then obviously Julio Jones being there is a drop as well. So he's kind of in this, you know, like 19-ish fantasy points per game range where he's been a guy that you can used to be able to consistently get 20 and a time spike to 22, 23 fantasy points a game. He's not going to be in that category this year. And he just makes it outside of my QB1 territory. Yeah, I mean, as bad as that defense is, as much as they're going to throw, I still want, I think, very little, if no part, of Matt Ryan. So we've kind of given it away, but I will read uh, the Tier 3 quarterbacks because there are some names that we haven't mentioned. Trevor Lawrence, 14. Matt Ryan, 13. Joe Burrow, 12. Jalen Hurts, 11. Justin Herbert, 
10 and Aaron Rodgers 9. That's the tier three, guys. Uh, Jake, I'll let you go first if there's anybody else here that you want to discuss because I will table uh, my argument with Jamie over Jalen Hurts uh, for the end. Well, then I'll let you table it for the end because I'm, I'm still on the fence of which way I'm going to fall off and uh, and lean towards. I think I, I think I know where I'm going here, but I, we'll save that for the end. Uh, Justin Herbert, we'll, we'll throw that one out there. I mean, I, I wish – Every time we're talking receivers in the offseason, I keep going, okay, the sleeper is the Chargers. When are they going to make a move? Are they going to do it in the draft? No, I love what they did protecting Justin Herbert. But Keenan Allen needs a Batman-Robin situation where he has that guy. They did a phenomenal job with a bunch of nobodies last year. Herbert was throwing to a bunch of dudes you'd never heard of that were really fast and made some big plays. But there wasn't a consistent two to Keenan Allen last year. They lost the tight end. I don't know. Man. I, I love this kid. I mean, I think he's got all the talent in the world. I think he has. I love where Jamie has him. I think he could drop certain weeks because they just don't have that too. Keenan Allen is so unbelievably good at separating and making himself open, regardless of the situation, the defense you're playing, whether they're playing man, they're playing zone, whatever it is, run after the catch abilities high. That helps him a ton, but there's not that other guy that I think that's going to hurt him a little bit there. Yeah, and look, the reality is, is there you're kind of getting to the point now where all these guys who are getting a top ten are all like twenty point plus per week guys. You know, for him, it it there's a little bit of a, I'm not thrilled with the weapons they have there. Uh, I've talked about on the show before. I'm not not a big Mike Williams guy, um, but Keenan Allen's obviously an absolute stud. There's there's nothing you can, no way to knock his game at all, nor will I try. Uh, but, you know, he's in this spot where, you know, I, I looked at what Joe Lombardi's offenses have done over the last handful of years, what Herbert did last year. You know, I, I do think, you know, that five-ish percent, 5.2 percent touchdown rate is repeatable for him. Like, I, I think he can be in that range again over the full season. Uh, I, I don't project the spike there. So um, I'm, I'm excited to kind of see where he kind of finishes because there are going to be weeks where you look at him and he's going to be a top five fantasy option for you. But I think overall, it's just I don't know that he's got the upside of any of the players above him on this list. He comes in at QB 10 for me. And as much as I like him, he's a case of a guy that is a probably a better real life quarterback than fantasy quarterback in the sense of I think his upside is kind of capped here in the low 20s for fantasy points per game where I just I don't see him just with the current weapons and the current offensive infrastructure that they have there. I don't see him as somebody that I say. Yeah, that guy's definitely going to finish in or contend for top five quarterback status in fantasy. I just, I still can't see it. I can't wrap my head around that. So that's why it kind of comes in here at QB ten. I think it's perfect. There's a disconnect there for me too because I think he's going to have a great year as a quarterback, taking what the defense gives you a little bit more, making those reads, doing more pre-snap stuff, stuff that's not going to show up on a fantasy sheet. And it might actually hurt him in fantasy a little bit because he's going to do a little bit more of that. He had some big time plays down the field last year, which I don't know if they'll have as many of those because I think he'll do a better job of distributing the ball, taking what the defense gives him. So I like where you have him here. The guy above him was interesting too, Chris. So I, I, there's one more thing I want to talk about with Herbert. And, and Jamie, you these projections, and this is a compliment. I'm not trying to say this negatively. I'm just, I, I want you to walk through the, the thought process with me. It's very, it's very number-based, and you make adjustments based on some also real-life factors that aren't number-based. So I have to ask, how much is the new coaching staff factored into maybe him not being a little bit higher? Because, because I sit here, and there are a lot of players, Atlanta, who we just talked about a bunch. I also talk about here with Justin Herbert of new coaching staff. It might take a couple of weeks before they're really hitting at the, the high cylinder that they want to be. 
I also think Joe Lombardi is going to going to run the ball or they're going to try to run the ball. And depending on how much, not that Anthony Lynn didn't, obviously, but trying to figure out where this, it, the tough thing with the Chargers is, is this team is always better on paper, at least in recent years, than what they actually are when they hit the turf. If they can stay healthy and they play up to that talent level, and I think that first part in particular, because they haven't ridiculous. had a lot of effort of underperformers, it's just more of they can't stay healthy. This is a team that's going to be contending, and this is a team that's not going to have to throw the ball 40 times a game in the second half trying to come back and trying to make this this fervent run in the second half of the season to somewhat remain relevant. So I think that is a factor for me. The other factor is, is you have to look at how what his how high his touchdown rate was and some of the things he did his rookie season. And like, and we'll talk about this with the next guy on the list because you're asking why he's going to be this far down, and that's Aaron Rodgers, and we'll talk about it because it's not as much at this point. Like I, I can't project him out of Green Bay yet. So – that projection is based on something else, but that something else is touchdown percentage regression. And I think this five, uh, again, last year, Herbert was about 5.21%. I think that's repeatable, but that's pretty good. As we just discussed, that's almost a half percent better than Matthew Stafford over the last handful of years. So I, I think sometimes when you see rookies make this massive play and they really burst onto the scene, there's always that, that idea that they're just going to take another huge step forward that rarely happens. And like, that'd be like, to me, that's the, this would be the, like if we did a wide receiver equivalent of me expecting Justin Jefferson to come in this year and be the number one wide receiver in the NFL. Like there's a point where you hit at such a high rate that just getting close to what you were able to do the year prior or matching that is progression. And you're not going to, there's a point where you just, you're not going to always take nonlinear progression, Chris. You're not always going to take these massive steps forward, particularly when your baseline is so high and which, Herbert's baseline is really, really high for a rookie quarterback. Sure, and I just and I just wanted to also have the conversation of of wondering if because there's a new coaching staff, does that factor into your into your deliberations yes. on these players? That was really that, the main new coaching staffs for me. Just so I could quantify it, I look at what they've done in the past with their offenses. Okay. So, I'm not going to say, well, he's got a new coordinator, so I'm going to take a 5%. Like, Because that, that, I've just been making numbers up at that, that point. I'm aware of it, and I consider that because my rankings, as you'll see, aren't just a straight you know, descending order of my projections. I do say, okay, this guy might be projected to score a third of a point per game less, but I think he's safer or has less injury risk, so I'll put him above. I'll give you else. an example. Rodgers, who's directly in front of Herbert, you have for less fantasy points per game than Herbert, just Correct. as one example of that. Yes, I have him at what? Point two four yes. points per game fewer, yes. but I have him above there because I think there's, you know, I, I feel safer with him. The other factor to consider with this before we get into Rodgers are you're never going to get uh, my, my, I guess the flaw for lack of a better phrase uh, in, in these projections, which are, I, you can't predict the future is you're never going to get a prediction of somebody having the best season they've ever had. You know what I mean? So you're never going to get, you, uh, there's no way for me to project who's going to be the number one in the NFL in touchdown percentage this year. It changes every year. All I know is that every year, the guy that leads it the year before is going to have regression. Happened to Carson Wentz, happened to Patrick Mahomes, happened to Lamar Jackson. And by the way, it's going to happen to the next guy on this list, Aaron Rodgers. He's not throwing a 9% touchdown rate. It's not happening. It just, it's not. So, and I think that's the part where that comes in, where somebody has a spike season, somebody has a career year, you know, it, it can't predict Justin Jefferson's season last year. It cannot predict a 9% touchdown rate for a quarterback. Like, so those things are going to happen on a given year. But more often than not, they're not very likely. You know, Rodgers comes in here at QB9 for me, which, which I know has really angered a lot of people. But to me, I, I talked about this. It's simply about touchdown regression. Like he's not going to be 
I, I believe he was at 9.3% last year. I mean, that, that's just, that's going to come down. It always does. I brought his touchdown prog- uh, percentage back down to his five year average touchdown rate of 6.1%, which still gets him to 35 passing touchdowns in this offense. Still think he's going to have weeks where I'm given on the matchup, he's going to be really good. Now, there's this element in the back of my mind that you have to consider of when's he going to be in camp? Where's he going to play? All this other drama that goes into it have not factored that into these projections. So this is simply as Aaron Rodgers shows up for week one, ready to play in Green Bay. This is where I think he lies. And I think the biggest thing for him is just coming back down to earth a little bit on touchdowns. Again, 6.1% is not bad. That's a lot higher than Stafford. It's a lot higher than what I just got for Herbert. So when you kind of put this stuff into context, it's important. But he's not going to be a 9% touchdown guy next year. I, I, I Nothing with that one, Chris. I mean, I, I like where he has him. I mean, I, they, what do they do to help him if he shows up? Not much. It's fair. I don't think he has another MVP season. No, and, and again, it's have him any higher than this. And the MVP season is the high touchdown rate. And by the way, that's not a surprise. You know who had an extremely high touchdown rate the year prior? Lamar Jackson. What did he win? How about Patrick Mahomes two years prior than that? How about Carson Wentz three years prior to that? He should have won the MVP, but he got hurt. Like these guys, you win the MVP by having a spike in passing touchdown percentage. Like that is the biggest factor of the last half decade of who's going to be that guy. It's going to be the guy that throws 9% touchdown rate. Like that, that's been the player. And by the way, you all come back down to earth because it just, it's not sustainable. All right, Jamie, let's do this as we okay. close out tier three. Jalen Hurts at 11. Okay. I've moved him this, down because you should be happy. This is we, lower. I moved him from is, eight to 11. This in, is lower. Since my, I did the research. Correct. When you, you said he was a top 10 quarterback and I took, I took uh, great umbrage with that. I was you not, did. I did not enjoy you saying Jalen Hurts was a top 10 quarterback. I disagreed with that. So he's not. So you're happy now, right? You're going to give me a pat on the back. Congratulations. And attaboy. Here you go. I appreciate you getting closer to where I am in this conversation. Well, you have him at like QB 57 or something. I just think like you have him below some of the, the new I, like USFL league quarterbacks. They're going to start back up. I'm sorry. I just don't, I don't think he's a QB one. I okay. just don't. So what is the root of your issue? And, and here, here's why I say this. If you think he's not going to get through the year as a starter, I think that's a legitimate risk. And I understand saying he's a stay away. He's off my board. He's one of those, the Jake Todd Gurley award of just like not drafting him. Like I'm just a complete stay away. Totally understand that. Is that your main concern, or do you think he's going to start enough games you just don't like what you see? Okay. They are both concerns, but if I had to list your one primary, that I, I should say. The one that I think is stopping me from saying QB1 is there is just this, this movement, and I get it, of quarterbacks who run the ball are just so valuable in fantasy. He still has to pass the ball, and I have not been impressed with what I've seen in the small sample size. Agreed. But have you looked at the numbers here? Because I, I have. The passing numbers are worrisome if he in my throws, predictions. If he throws this many pass attempts, then I think you are going to end up being right. I just don't think he's throwing that many times. Well, again, keep in mind 17 games. So here's what here's what I'm looking at right now. I looked at what Nick Sirianni's offense, or at least what he's been involved in offensively in Indianapolis, did the last couple of years. You were hanging around that like 33.28 pass attempts per game. That's almost identical to what Hurts threw last year in his four games as a starter. So I think that's a reasonable amount over 17 games. That's 565, which is really not that much. Like in in the context of what we're talking about, this would be a 530 pass season in in the old 16-game NFL. That's pretty low. Like that's going to be in the bottom five or six in the NFL. 
So I'm not projecting him to throw that much. Um, you know, I have a touchdown percentage rate for him under 4% uh, based on what he was able to do in his brief time as a starter last year. Um, I have a, you know, a, a passing yards rate, pretty low under seven yards per attempt. I have a 2.3% interception rate, which is pretty high for him. Like, I, I mean, I, I think these passing numbers are well within reason and they're not great. You know, it comes out to about 3,900 yards, 21, 22 touchdowns, 12 or 13 interceptions. Like that's not good. But the difference is, is what his rushing ability gives you for fantasy. And this goes back to the old school, like, me winning a fantasy championship with Tim Tebow type of a deal. That value there is significant enough to put him into this category. I I looked at, look, he's not going to run around over a full season anywhere near as much as he did in the four-game sample size. But what I did is I looked last year at the average rush attempts of the top six quarterbacks, and I I averaged them all out in terms of total rush attempts. It brought them to about seven and a half attempts per game. So doing that, and is about 5.9% yards per carry average he had last year. Gets him just over 750 rushing yards. Looking at his touchdown percentage in rushing last year, uh, I think he can be as high as eight rushing touchdowns this year. Now, that puts him almost 21 fantasy points per game. Like that would technically put him on a per-game basis at QB9 in my projections. I don't have him there, but that's where he lands in my projections. The counter-argument to be, aside from, hey, this dude could lose his job by midseason, is that rushing numbers are a lot more volatile than passing numbers. Like it is a lot easier to project year over year what a guy's yards per attempt is going to be. Maybe not even a range for touchdown percentage. Interception percentage is is typically very easy to project on a year-to-year basis. Rushing totals and particularly rushing touchdowns can be very volatile because they're very situationally based for a quarterback. So if your arguments could be that, hey – you know, I think he's only going to get five rushing touchdowns. And then all of a sudden, you know, now he's down to, you know, 19 and a half fantasy points per game, which puts him behind Joe Burrow. And it puts him right in that same category as Ryan and the Lawrence's and the Stafford's of the world. I'm just going to take those other guys because their floors are higher. Hertz's floor is lower than any quarterback we have talked about today. Just there's there's no doubt about it. And, and that's I why it's totally understand to, to have him as a QB one. But his ceiling is top 10 quarterback. Like and I, I think that that to, in fantasy again in real life that's not the case but in fantasy that that is the potential there for him so I understand you saying hey I'm I'm going to take him off my board entirely and I'm not going to draft him particularly because there are a lot of options here I get it but he's somebody that if I'm going to do you know the, a two QB thing in a twelve quarterback league or I'm in a best ball format I'm definitely going to have on my radar in the back part of that QB one territory. And I'm not and I'm not arguing with the math. I just want that to be very clear. I don't want the listeners to think I'm attacking your math here because I understand the thought process and how you get to the math. And I'm not saying I think it's wrong. It's just I look at it and this is very heavy on him being an extremely efficient and productive rusher. And I'm just skeptical of that. And so I'd rather take the higher floor with just the three guys directly behind him in the tier before. I would rather take Matt Stafford or Ryan Fitzpatrick. I would rather not roll the dice on something that is extremely volatile. That, that, that's just me personally, and that's why it's that's tough. Fair. For, it's tough for me to, to have him as a QB1 because it's so – The emphasis is so much on him being an extremely effective rusher, and I don't think Philadelphia is going to be very good. They're going to have to throw the ball a lot late. He had a 52% completion percentage in the four games that he did start. I'm just skeptical of it. I get how you get there, and I'm not saying I, I disagree with that math. It's just not for me. 
So since I was Switzerland and I'm now Judge Wapner in this situation, <laughs> trying to pick which way I'm going to go with, I'm officially going to take him off my board. I want zero part of all of it. And I'm going to lean towards the hype train here on, I don't think he's a QB one either. I'm not arguing with the math. I'm arguing with the fact that I agree with Chris. I think Philly's going to suck. I think he put enough on tape, the defensive coordinators, you guys know I'm big on this in the offseason mm-hmm. of how you stop this guy when you play him. And you're going to have to score points in this division with the offenses that they're playing. Just in the games they're playing in their division, they're going to have to put up some points. I don't think he's going to be able to do it by run the ball. Now, that being said, he's going to scramble. He's going to do everything he can to try to give himself, a, a, you know, his team a chance to win. He's a competitor. But, man, that floor and that ceiling is too volatile for me. I think what, where I end up leaning here is when we go back to Stafford, the floor and the ceiling might be damn near the same level week to week. Yep. But it ain't, it ain't spiking. There's too much volatility here in the floor and the ceiling for me and Jalen Hurts. I'm taking him off the board, and I'm rolling with the hype train, although I'm not arguing with the math either. I learned a long time ago I don't argue with Jamie's math. I'm no, but that, I might argue with how we get there, but I'm not arguing with the math either. That's a fair point, and I think this goes back to roster construction as well especially in single quarterback leagues and 12 teams, I understand you saying, I don't want to deal with it on a weekly basis, but in my projections, I I can't, I have to account for what I see uh, in terms of the numbers. So I get it. And by the way, I'm not somebody that's targeting Jalen hurts in fantasy drafts. If he falls to me where I have him ranked and I need a quarterback, I will take him, but he's not somebody I have a star next to. No, come on. You have to have him on one of your teams this year. So we can do this throughout the whole season. Like you you have to, we'll have some, we'll have some Jalen hurts wagers at some okay, point good good uh we have two more tiers I love hitching to my here. wagon to bad quarterbacks it's <laughs> i don't know how you talk me into that we have two more tiers to go uh and tier two starts with a guy who wasn't in tier two if we were doing this episode last week ryan Tannehill moves from qb 10 all the way up to qb 8 now russell wilson 7 dak prescott 6 tom brady 5 kyler murray 4 uh jamie quick on Tannehill. he moves from 10 to 8 uh obviously because of the julio trade what that does to his numbers but he moves from 10 to 8 finds his way into tier two yeah, Julio trade, and I think I, I readjusted their passing numbers in Tennessee just a little bit, slightly more than where I had them before in general when I did my first initial projection. So uh, I, I think they finally, finally get a little bit above that 30 pass attempts per game mark because they have not been there on average the last couple of years. I do think they get just above that. Extremely efficient. Uh, that's what Ryan Tannehill has been. Expect him to have to throw a little bit more this year than he has the last couple of years, which is really exciting. Uh, and look, as good as Corey Davis was last year, Julio Jones is an upgrade. When he's on the field, Julio Jones is going to be an upgrade over what he's had these last couple of years. You know, Even if it's for 14 games and it's then three games with Josh Reynolds, whatever it might be, uh, I'm now way more excited about Ryan Tannehill, who to me is really the, the big winner of the Tennessee guys for this trade. Uh, I moved him up from, from 10 to 8 and up into this tier. Really excited about him again this year. He's been somebody I've pounded the table for ever since he took over for Marcus Mariota in week seven a couple years ago. Uh, I, I was a little down on him just con- before, but considering the defensive concerns I still have and now the weapons upgrade after having a weapons downgrade, so that was a big switch over one, in a one-day period. I'm really excited about having him in my, in my top eight in the bottom of that second tier. Efficiency. He proved it last year that he could do the same thing he did the yep. year before. Now the weapons upgrade. I love that one. He, he's a guy I'm definitely targeting because you still get some rushing yards there. And even if they can't play action quite as much, the efficiency was so high because the play action was so good. I, I think he is still proven. He's a, he's efficient by himself. I love that. one. 
Uh, anything else in this tier uh, that you want to talk about, Jay? Okay, because I got I got a tier one uh, complaint that I have to file. So I'm just so excited that Jamie's on board with me and Tom Brady winning the MVP. And if you look at these projections and these numbers, I can get behind this math. A lot of passing attempts for a team that's going to be really, really good. But I think the more that Tom plays in this offense, the more passing attempts there are, because the more stuff he's going to do pre-snap, changing plays and whatever else, and these weapons – OJ Howard coming back. It doesn't matter. I mean, they have, they got to have a lot of injuries to not still have one of the most exciting weapons groups he's ever going to have week to week. I just, I love this one. Jamie, Tom Brady, the second most pass attempts here. I'm, I did a quick little scroll through. I think Dak only has more than him in your projections. Uh, yeah, I think Dak is the only one that has more than him. Uh, and, and look, here's where I got to the Tom Brady numbers. And I'm glad you brought this up, Jay, because I, I wanted to touch on this a little bit. So he's comes in at QB five. Uh, and I know that was, that caught some people's eyes, particularly because he's above Dak and Russell Wilson. Here's where I got to this. I have him at 667 pass attempts over 17 games. And here's where I came to this. I looked at the offense that Tampa Bay ran from week 10 through the end of the Super Bowl. Because uh, I, I think that's when it's been kind of reported that he had a full grasp of the offense. Antonio Brown was in there at that point. This is kind of where things started to settle in for them. And it goes a little bit before the bye week and that run, that you know championship winning run they go on post bye. They average about 39 and a quarter pass attempts per game. And if I look at, and I looked at Tom Brady's five-year touchdown percentage, and I also combined it with what he did from week 10 on last year, puts him right about that six and a half touchdown rate. So if he's going to throw the ball this much, he's going to be north of 40 touchdowns again. Uh, I looked at his average yards per attempt for the last five years. I looked at his four years interception rate. So I didn't just take, I took the pass attempt numbers from that stretch, but I, I looked at a much bigger window for Tom Brady with quite frankly, a lot of that time with worse weapons for a lot of these rate stats, I'm really excited about what he can do this year. And if he's going to throw this much again, which I think there's a really good chance that he does in this offense, he's 40, he's going to be 40 plus touchdowns again. You know, he'll be under a dozen interceptions. He'll be above 5,000 yards given the extra game. You know, he's going to, you know, get two or three rushing touchdowns on top of it. I'm really excited. Oh, by the way, his schedule is very favorable, especially considering what it was to the early part of last season. So I'm really excited about Tom Brady. He is my favorite value at the quarterback position right now because he's still going in that like 9, 10, 11, 12 range among quarterbacks when I have him in my top five, and I feel really good about it. Man, that was so good since I get killed for say you're such a – you're the hype train for Tom Brady. Yes, I am. I'm also very realistic of what's going on here. My man just backed it up with all the math. By the way, you have Dak Prescott breaking the all-time passing record. Yeah, Seven I would just say. Game. We're going to see a bunch of that kind of stuff go on. I had to throw that one out there. Yeah, I think he's like – I think it's what, like 100 yards short of it? Like what's the all-time uh... – to see what the your all-time passing yards in a season 500 i think you got him at 5900 or something if i'm remembering correctly uh, yeah so it's like 5500 i think is the one yeah uh yeah, it's you're in this weird 617 yeah well i mean is dallas gonna stop anybody no, no. it's just a question no, no. Of, is he healthy? Much I just, that's a big number it, it is and, and this is where it's just like that's weird and i hate having it this high but they're gonna throw the ball a lot like based on his year and a third uh, over the last year and a third before the injury. I mean, he was up around 40 attempts per game. Like this, this attempts per game spike was not just last year. Now last year's stretch was a little bit crazy, but they're going to be that way again with that defensive concerns. He could be in that. I I projected him at 680 pass attempts over 17 games. Now, whether he's healthy for all 17 of those games is the biggest thing. He's another one of those quarterbacks that's got actually like like a lot like Stafford, a relatively low touchdown percentage. His three-year touchdown rating, even including his part last year, four and a half percent. 
So he's not going to be, it's kind of weird, like looking at these numbers next to each other, projecting, you know, setting the all-time passing touch or passing yards record for a single season and then having him at like 31 touchdowns feels a little odd, but that's kind of what he's been where it's been a lot of attempts, but they're not always in the end zone. Um, to me, I look, I, I love the volume and that's the biggest thing with him. And that's why you're going to love it so much. Uh, I, I just, again, I would feel more comfortable with this projection once he's back on the field and I can see him play and I can see him move around. But I think the biggest thing for him is just going to be like, cause on, on a, on a per throw basis, he's not a top five quarterback, but with the volume, he's going to be in contention for as long as he's on the field. Cause he's got really, the weapons there are really good for him to throw to. And he's going to get Blake Jarwin back. He's going to get another year of, you know, CD lamb back or, or CD lamb in his second year, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup's still there. You know, you still got like these, he's got weapons and he's got a defense that's going to make him throw a lot. So he's got all of those auxiliary pieces that are going to be really good. If the leg is healthy, we'll be in good shape. My only question there, are we getting any rushing touchdowns or any rushing production at all? Because I have a feeling he's almost going to be a statue on purpose in this offense. Just throwing from the pocket. It'll be a very uh, interesting thing to see uh, in the early going. Uh, tier one, I don't know how much debate there is going to be here. Uh, Josh Allen, three. Patrick Mahomes, two. Lamar Jackson, one. And Jamie, I just it's, it's absolutely shocking to me that you would have as your QB one a guy who's not going to be the starter after week 12, according to one person. <laughs> according to somebody on Twitter. With yeah. the rankings. And I teased this on last week's show that there was somebody that, that took issue with what Jamie had said. Jake, there was a tweet to Jamie, and I don't know if I shared this in the TDN Fantasy Slack, that in which it, it, they blasted Jamie for having Lamar Jackson QB1 because, quote, he's not going to be the starter after week 12. We're so, actually we're actually bringing credence to this. Like, no, I just it's, I just came I mean, in. Look, it, 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 look. Uh, well, if Lamar can hold off Trace McSorley, no. Um, so there's not going to be an argument about the names in this tier. There'll probably be argument about the order and somewhat. And I think it's I'm one of the few people that don't have Patrick Mahomes at one. And again, to put context to this whole thing, Josh Allen, twenty three point nine five fantasy points per game projection. Patrick Mahomes, twenty three nine two fantasy points per game. Lamar Jackson, twenty four six seven. They're all very, very close. I, the only question I got in this tier is Kyler Murray. Well, because he's not. Is did I put him in tier one? I you thought have I had him at top you of tier him two. The last name of tier two, so he's yeah. fourth. Okay, so that was tier two was four, and then yeah. the top. So yeah, I, I put him yeah. three or whatever. That's that's yeah. the guy. Yeah, I mean, to so, me, that's the one guy of like on that borderline merging from tier one to tier two is Kyler Murray. I don't know what we're getting from this offense, man. I, this stuff I'm hearing from people that I know pretty well of what's I, it's it, it is literally throwing my hands up of, of what we're going to get and how much progression there is from him, how much work he's putting in to get that much better mentally, yeah. like pre snap, reading defense and stuff that. We were just talking about Justin Herbert. I think he's going to be a better quarterback. It might not show fantasy. Kyler's still going to run around and get you some of this stuff for fantasy purposes. I, that's 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 a lot of – I don't know how much value there is. Like for him at four, where are you going to have to draft him? I took a chance on him last year. He was phenomenal. And then he killed me down the stretch for those last couple because he started tearing off. I don't like A.J. Green. I don't think he has anything left. I don't know how much that's going to be there. I, I thought it was worth a conversation here for Kyler because yeah. that was like – 
Tier one, that was that was easy for me. I jumble them up and throw them out. Well, and people are taking Kyler higher than where you even have him ranked. It's which Kyler are you going to get? Am I getting the Kyler that was banged up and hurt in the second half of last season that was struggling, or am I getting the Kyler that played in the first half of the season? Right, that's the question. Well, and how much I, is he going to run, and is he going to have right. to deal with little nagging things that he can't be the same guy like he was down the stretch because he wasn't a very good quarterback at that? Right, point. and that's can the he fantasy guy in the first half running all over the place? Right, and can he make those adjustments to where if he is banged up, he can still be productive as a quarterback and not just. You you know, using the scrambling ability to extend plays and make plays for the team to keep them in the game. We saw that when he was banged up, we saw how much they just relied on his creativity to keep them in games and to keep them moving the ball down the field because without that, they were stagnant. Can they make that uh, adjustment, adding A.J. Green, adding Rondell Moore? Can they take that next step? It's just a big question mark. And so, yeah, at four, it's a little rich for me because I, I don't necessarily believe a whole lot in this team this season. But again, when you're getting a guy that is that does have that capability to run the ball and can sling it, we've seen the arm, he can sling it, then I can understand him being this high. So on uh, back to the tier one guys, for example, and the biggest question will be why Lamar Jackson at one? Because Mahomes is pretty much the consensus QB one pretty much anywhere you go. Uh, I, I think there, there are two answers here, and there's the easy answer, and then there's the kind of forgotten about answer. The easy answer is the rushing upside. Yay, we keep talking. 1,200 rushing yards is what you have projected for Lamar Jackson. And, Correct. Jamie, I want to throw this out before you get there. The lack of rushing. Patrick Mahomes gets way too much credit in the public of being Correct. a rushing quarterback. He had one phenomenal run in the playoff run when they won the Super Bowl two years ago. He doesn't run that much. He moves around a ton. But he doesn't run for that many yards. So I, I am fully on board with the difference there of, of why you would take Lamar as the number one guy. Yeah, and that that is – I mean, it, it is – I broke this down because I actually wrote about this part specifically inside of like my uh, – the biggest questions that, that I've answered. And I, I looked specifically at the rushing turtles. Over the course of a season, Jackson – I have Jackson projected to outscore Mahomes by 127.5 points in rushing. So just on the rushing stats, that's where this difference comes in. Like that's what makes up for a lot of the passing differences. But um, the thing that with Lamar Jackson that I think is really is, is a key mark for him. Um, and again, I'm projecting him to get uh, a new career high in rushing yards by nine. But I think the point that it's important here is the last two years, he's only played 15 games. And the reason why was two years ago, they, the Ravens benched their starters in week 17. And last year, he spent one game on the COVID list. So if he, so we're talking about we're working off of back-to-back years of a 15 games worth of stats. I'm giving you 17 games worth. So I, I looked at him and I looked at what his average rushing attempts were per game over the last couple seasons. He's up a little bit over 11 attempts per game and a little bit more than six and a half rushing yards per attempt. Looking at over the course of the 17 game season, it kind of gives him these numbers. Uh, you know, he's he's somebody that always has a pretty high touchdown rate uh, in terms of passing touchdown rate because of his efficiency, because they don't throw it a lot. They got a weapons upgrade this year. So I, I think we're looking at between rushing and passing somewhere around 40 combined touchdowns, 1,200 yards on the ground, but 32, 3,300 yards through the air. And you put all that together. And by the way, this was a guy that was producing like a QB2 from the back part of the, in the second half of the season, he was a quarterback too, only a fractions of a point behind Josh Allen. Uh, so this is somebody that really turned things on. Don't let the early part of last season, you know, don't let that color your view on what you think Lamar Jackson is as a fantasy quarterback, because he really picked things up again in the second half of the season. He's going to run around a lot, got a passing upgrade. And again, you might get 17 games out of him this year, which is something you did not get over the last two years because of things that don't seem repeatable. I don't think the Ravens are going to be good enough to be benching starters in week 17, nor do I think he's going to go back on the COVID-19 list, at least given the information we have now when we talk about the 2021 season. 
my only caution there is a toe, an ankle, a knee, a hip, anything that limits what we were just talking about Kyler Murray and he has to play more from the pocket and can't move around as much or give you that rushing total. He goes through a four or five week stretch there. That could be the difference. And that's the only caution I gave you with Lamar is he's so much more unique than anybody else that's ever run the ball in the NFL. That would be the only thing that would give me any caution that I thought maybe we'd throw that out there. That's it. That is the book closing on the quarterback projections. Uh, those projections are up at thedraftnetwork.com. And speaking of thedraftnetwork.com, there are, and I'm looking at it right now, underneath the fantasy tab, the wide receiver rankings are up. The running back rankings are up. Jamie's got two stories about answering the five most pressing fantasy football questions with both quarterbacks and wide receivers. There are tons of fantasy content for you to consume. And on the podcast on Wednesday, we are doing part one, the back half of the wide receivers list. They are next up for us here on the show. Uh, Jamie, let's get out of here. Where can everybody follow you on social media? Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter, at Jamie Eisner on TDN, and then thedraftnetwork.com under the fantasy tab for all of my rankings. And by the time we get to Wednesday show, my tight end rankings will be out as well. So be able to check all of that out, and we will go over all of it on the show. Jake? Jake B. Arians on Twitter, Arians NFL on Instagram, all your hate mail to Shoe Radio. Yep, that's right. At Shoe Radio, S-C-H-U Radio is where all the hate mail can go. At TDN Fantasy on Twitter, uh, all of your questions. Again, I'm going to tease this out at the end of every episode, the question and answer uh, show all the way at the end. So as we're doing this, put in those questions uh, at TDN Fantasy on Twitter so we can compile them and have a discussion about them at the end. That's going to do it for us here on the Monday edition. We're back on Wednesday, Wide Receivers Part 1. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.